So today we're going to talk about perfectionism. And I guess I'd like to see myself as a recovering perfectionist, you know, um, work in progress. Um, and I guess the word recovering suggests that it's some sort of disease, right? Like it's, it's kind of a disorder. And I think it actually is. Um, in fact, if you Google the term perfectionism, you stumble upon some very scary information about how it can lead to anxiety and depression and, and all sorts of uh, mental disorders. So I don't think I'm quite there yet, but definitely it's, it's not nice to, to have. So if you're anything like me, listen up because I'm going to share with you some of my, let's say, aha moments and um, the beauty of being imperfect. Isn't it great to be a woman today? Isn't it bloody hard too, being all these things that society tells us we should be? My name is Esther and I'm the founder of the Empress Society, an online community of powerful women who are rewriting their stories and being their true, authentic selves. So I guess we can define perfectionism as this need to be or to appear, to give the impression that you're perfect or even to believe that it is possible to do things perfectly. Um, and, and I guess it's the kind of thing that we all use at job interviews, right? When they ask you, what are your three biggest uh, flaws? And then we all say, oh, I'm a perfectionist. Because you know that the company is likely to see that as a, as a good thing, as an advantage to them. Because it means that you have very high standards for yourself and um, you will not finish something. You will not deliver something until it's it's achieved a certain certain quality right and that's that's okay um but there's also a lot of disadvantages to perfectionism not just for you as a perfectionist but also for the company um so one of the things that perfectionists often do is we procrastinate um because the fear of not being able to do something to perfection is so big that we'd rather not do it at all than, than kind of be mediocre. Um, and and I've st- I've, I think about the amount of things that I've not done or, or not pursued or the career paths I didn't pursue or uh, the missed opportunities or even simple things like learning German. Um, I thought, oh, Life is too short to learn German. It's going to take me a lifetime. I'll never be able to speak it properly. So I won't even start. Uh, because the frustration of being bad at something for a long time is just too much for me to handle. Um, but sometimes you really have to get over that frustration threshold. And you have to accept the fact that you're going to be really bad at something before you can become good at it. Um, So a perfectionist like me and like you probably if you're listening, 
will procrastinate, will postpone things, will stop themselves from doing things if they don't think they can do it properly. I remember I would just not show up to exams at university if I didn't feel that I was really on top of things. So the prospect of scoring anything below a seven was just too scary for me. And I'd rather score a zero or, you know, no show than being a three or a four. And sometimes things just need to get done. Like it doesn't really matter how well, how perfectly, how neat they look um, to the outside. Some things they just need to get done. Um, so that's, that's one of the disadvantages. The other thing I've observed is that for many of us, like there's only a binary choice, right? It's like something is either perfect or it's a complete disaster and there's nothing in between. Um, and, and for us, the notion of good enough is actually pretty close of a complete disaster. So we think that anything less than perfect is a failure. And sometimes things, you know, they just have to be good enough. Good enough, it really is good enough. And that's something I'm still trying to learn. Um, and I'm also realizing that perfectionists, we have a very high standard for ourselves. Um, people might not be so hard on us or as hard on us as we are on ourselves. And we don't always apply the same standards to others. Like very often, I think that others are doing just a perfect job. But when it comes to myself, I have, I have a very clear idea in my mind of what good enough looks like to me. And it's often something that it would take a lot of extra effort to attain. Sometimes 90%, it really is good enough. And the time and the energy that it takes you to achieve the extra, the additional 10%, is just a waste of time. Um, another thing that I've noticed is that we don't deal very well with criticism or with feedback. Um, any sort of feedback, unless it's positive feedback. The positive feedback we tend to dismiss, right? It's like, okay, yeah, that's the default. I, I'm glad you like it. It was supposed to be that way. But the negative feedback really sinks in. And I remember um, a flight I had with, with a colleague we were both invited to give a lecture or a, a speech. And, um, and then on the flight back from London, we said, okay, let's just give each other feedback. Um, and she had very, very valid points about my performance. Um, you know, she said, okay, you, it was great, but you repeat yourself too much. You said the same things twice, very often. I probably still do that on my podcast. The good thing is I can edit it. I can just delete it, but live, you can't really do that. So, and she was right. She was absolutely spot on. But for me, that little statement, which was true and was not offensive and was, you know, it didn't mean it was a disaster. But for me, that was a sign that it had been a failure and therefore I was a failure. 
So that's one of the things that happens, I guess, to us when we receive feedback. We don't, we can't really put that feedback into context of, okay, this was really good. There's just this little tiny thing here, but the overall picture is really good, which is will blow that out of proportion. And we will think, okay, this is, this means that I am a failure. It's not that I made a mistake. It's not that it, this little point could have been improved. We take it very personally. We hear you are a failure. Um, and I guess that comes from very deep wounds and very deep sub- subconscious beliefs that we hold or protection mechanisms. Um, I've realized, you know, I wanted to, to know where it came from. I'm like, why am I so depressed? Why am I? I mean, I wasn't depressed. I was <laughs> upset. Like, why am I? It all went really well. Clients loved it. It was a very nice evening. Um, it was, they seemed to find it very interesting. The feedback was very good. Why do I spend a week beating myself up about the fact that I could have done that a little bit better? Um, and that's, that's one of the things, right? Like you beat yourself up. You're constantly living in the past. You're thinking about all the things that could have gone better, all the things that you missed, all the things that were not completely spot on, all the things they could have said, but you didn't say. And it's like you're constantly ruminating in your head and replaying those scenes in your head and beating yourself up. Or you're living in the future and you're worrying about your next performance, your next presentation, and whether you're going to be able to do it perfectly. Um... So I did a lot of work myself trying to figure out where it came from. And I guess a lot of us are running some sort of, let's say, subconscious program or protection mechanism. In my case, I realized it's a protection mechanism and it's very deeply rooted. It has to do with my childhood. Um, I was bullied at school by the other girls and... um, I guess somewhere along the way, I developed the belief that if I was perfect, if I would do everything perfectly, they would have nothing to criticize and therefore I wouldn't be hurt. I didn't want to be mean to them. I didn't want revenge. I didn't want to act the same way they did, but I just didn't want to be hurt. So if I was the object of constant criticism, um, that was painful for me. Um, I guess as an adult, you do develop certain mechanisms whereby you don't really care so much about what others think. You care about the opinion of people that actually matter to you, but you don't really care about, you know, there's always going to be someone who doesn't like you. There's always going to be someone that finds flaws um, and finds fault in everything you do. And that's fine, right? It's like life. But as a child, I think that is still very difficult to, to deal with. So I realized I developed this perfectionism as a, as a kind of protection mechanism. That I thought, okay, if I'm perfect, they'll, they won't hurt me. And when you grow up, that situation is not there, right? That situation disappears and you develop mechanisms uh, not to care so much about other people's opinions. Um, 
but the mechanism it's like a software it's still running in the background um i don't care what other people think so much anymore um but i still get the same emotional reaction of this is my protection i need to protect myself i need to be perfect so that i don't get hurt um so i invite you to think about where it comes from in your case and whether it's a protection mechanism whether you have some you know subconscious belief somewhere in the back of your mind that tells you i have to do this because uh, because i need the approval of my parents or because otherwise people hurt me or because i'm not good enough and i need to prove myself wrong whatever it is right i think the moment you draw awareness um to it you're able to deal with it much better and and think about how much perfectionism costs you how much time how much energy how much how many things that you haven't done how many missed opportunities has perfectionism cost you well i hope you enjoyed this podcast for more information about the empress society please visit theempresssociety.com and join our facebook group thank you for listening and see you soon